Welcome to the Sunset Community Church podcast. You're listening to sermon audio from our Sunday morning services. For more information about Sunset Community Church, visit us online at sunsetcommunity.church. Today's scripture, it's uh, Psalm 27, Psalm 27, 1 through 5. And if you're using a pew Bible, it's page 475. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advanced against me to to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. This is God's word. Amen. Thank you, Derek. Um, yeah, if you have questions about any of R.C.'s particular works of art, um, he'd be happy to talk with you about it, so, afterwards. Um, we are doing uh, this series, Art and Faith, so uh, hence all of the different elements and, and things that uh, we're, we're trying out today. Um, as Hebrews 10.24, like why are we doing this series? Hebrews 10.24 calls us to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And uh, we believe art making, making things of beauty in this world um, that reflect the truth, goodness, and beauty of God is worth, um, uh, is one of those things that God calls us to do. And so um, uh, we're grateful for RC coming up and sharing, and we're going to hear from a few other uh, artists. And we, ha- we know we have some in our church body, um, and so if you are an artist um, you, you consider yourself an artist. As in, this is like what you do, not just, not just a hobby, or it is a hobby that you're very passionate about. We want you to know um, that we value you and that we, um, we are grateful for what you do. Um, a quick recap on last week. Uh, R.C. did a great job actually of recapping it a bit. Genesis 1 and 2, um, we see God creating the heavens and the earth, and um, And he is a God who is true, good, and beautiful. And so he creates things of true goodness and beauty in his world and creation. Um, We we see that he even makes things of beauty. Um, In Genesis 2, it says he made trees, he he made fruit trees, and he made some trees that were just beautiful. No, no, nothing, nothing like necessarily very productive or utilitarian about it. It was just beautiful, just there to, to take in and, uh, and ponder at, uh, because God is a God of beauty. Um, we know in Genesis 3 what happened. Uh, we, we sinned. Um, our, our father and mother, you know, original humans, um, sinned against God. They were, they were surrounded by the truth, goodness, and beauty of God, um, present with him, in this space where God and man dwell together. Um, But they forsook it. They took of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil when God said, that's not what you should be doing. And ever since then, the the longing for home, 
seems to crop up in our hearts often. And maybe it happens in a moment where um, we just, that deep ache just kind of comes up in our lives and, and uh, a memory or something, and it may be even a home that we've not ever experienced before, but there's something pooling us. And uh, we think, we believe, um, and that we believe that scripture says that this is a longing for God uh, to be present with God himself. You know, but after we, um, after we abandoned the garden and abandoned God and, and disobeyed uh, his, his ways, um, it didn't stop truth, goodness, and beauty from being uh, spread throughout creation. It just stopped our ability to see the truth, goodness, and beauty uh, in God's world. We um, get echoes of his truth, goodness, and beauty at times, um, kind of like shards of a mirror that just scatter into a, a million pieces everywhere around the world, and, and you kind of have these moments or glimpses of beauty, moments or glimpses where something's calling you further uh, into something beyond the thing that you're experiencing. So maybe it's a sunset, maybe it's a, uh, whatever it may be, and, and you are, you're saying, There's, I, I'm loving whatever I'm seeing, but I'm also being drawn further toward and, and beyond this. I, you know, it's, it's, it's like you're looking through this and saying, I think a creator is calling my name. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's God pulling me to himself. Um, we get glimpses of these types of moments, and I, I love, uh, I don't know if this is the correct term, I think it is, but Tiffany and I have talked about this often, dappled light. It's a, kind of a fun word to dappled. Um, but like when the water, um, the light goes down through the water and you see underwater this, this array of light happening, um, it's just, it's so beautiful. Like, um, I don't know, concentric circles, all kinds of cool stuff. It's just super beautiful to me. And um, I, I just think that sometimes we get this throughout this, this world, throughout creation, throughout the things that God has made, um, it's like we're experiencing dappled light of truth, goodness, and beauty of God, um, like the dappled light of God's glory. And we're, we're just kind of seeing it here and there. Um, and uh, another form of dappled light is this. Uh, do you guys know what this is? Pictures of something that happened a couple weeks ago the partial eclipse. Um, I, I, I love like heavenly things like this, things that happen in, in the skies. Um, I got to see the total solar eclipse and I got to be in the line of totality um, back in 2018 and it was so cool, it was so cool. Um, but um, I missed this one that happened, it was a partial eclipse. I missed it, I was playing with Aiden and was watching him, was distracted with doing other things. And uh, Sam Tutko, who loves all things space and science and stuff, he sent this to me and he was like, this is a really cool picture. Um, someone just moving in the shadow of the dappled light of the solar eclipse. And if you see in those, um, th th in, in those images, you see like the moon's shadow eclipsing the sun. So something that's happening in the heavens shining down through little ordinary things like leaves and branches, displaying upon the ground something that is just galactic and beautiful and amazing in these like little images. Um, I think that's an image, an idea that I, I take is like, this is at times how 
God shines his beauty, his glory, his goodness through our lives. Um, and so that when people look at us, they see something more. They see um, something happening in our lives as believers. Um, but it's not the full thing. It's not the full picture. It's just a shadow or a shade. Or, uh, and it reminds me of 1 Corinthians 13, 12. We now see only a reflection as in a mirror. But then we will see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I'm fully known. So again, we long to be at home with God enjoying his truth, goodness, and beauty. Today we are going to talk about art and the beauty of God. Um, as we looked at that image of beauty, then goodness, then truth, and then you see into the heart of God, it's, it's like our perception. We experience beauty first, um, and um, that's what we're going to dive into today. Um, Derek read Psalm 27. David wrote this psalm. David experienced a chaotic life, especially at the beginning. Uh, he, he was running away from enemies, foreign and domestic. He um, just was not present in his homeland because of the danger that was uh, present in his life. And so he, he experienced much turmoil, a lot of suffering, and a lot of pressure in his life. But Psalm 27 is just one of those psalms that um, it, it has this confidence and this calmness. And uh, the first three verses that Derek read, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. And where was the source of this confidence? It was in God, present with him, his protection. But there was also this thing that he asked for. He said, this is the one desire that I have, the one thing that I'm seeking, that I'm asking of God. Um, I'm requesting it, and I want to be here. Remember, he's on the run, and he says, I want to be able to dwell in, the, in God's house all the days of my life for this reason, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him. That seeking is like this, in, this like examining, studying, meditating, reflecting, pondering deeply. He, he just was drawn to the beauty of God. Um, in this idea of the place of beauty, God's presence, Psalm 1611, uh, it says, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. So David wanted to be present with God. He wanted to know what it was to, to be in his presence all the time. Instead of on the run, instead of um, doing this or that, he wanted to be with God for this reason, to gaze on God's beauty. Um, interestingly enough, uh, in this psalm, we see truth and goodness present. Um, he says, teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path. This is verses 11 through 12. Um, he says, my foes are rising up and they're proclaiming false things against me. So he wants truth. He wants a life that is rooted in uh, the reality of God. Um, he declares the same thing in a different psalm. 86, 11, teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your emmet, your faithfulness, your truth. Um, He's also looking for goodness. 
I remain confident of this. This is the last verse in Psalm 27, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So David's longing for truth, goodness, but beauty is the thing that is really compelling him, the thing that is really propelling him forward in the midst of his life. Um, I wonder what comes to mind when you think of beauty. Do you think of God as beautiful? Have you ever thought about this? What, what does it mean, the beauty of the Lord? Is it like something you can see, something you can feel or experience? Have you experienced being with God and experienced the presence, the beauty of God in some way? Um, reflect on that a little bit, but I also wonder what the question, uh, the question of what is beauty? Um, I've only heard it described a couple of times or maybe defined a little bit a couple of times. One was from an artist that uh, Tiffany and I really love named John Guerra, and he's filtering Thomas Aquinas, a philosopher, theologian from like the 1200s, who says, beauty is God making his goodness known to our senses. Beauty is God making his goodness known to our senses. So beauty is something that we experience um, with our, our sight, smell, taste, touch, and hear, hearing. I get those five confused sometimes, but you know, you know what I mean. Uh, it's, a, it's a pulling into something that you experience. And uh, Russ Ramsey, who wrote a book on um, just art and how we experience the gospel through art, he says, what we make of truth and goodness, that's what beauty is. Beauty is what we make of truth and goodness. Um, beauty, for it to be truly beautiful, it should have truth and goodness behind it. So, uh, yeah, so beauty is God's goodness being made known to our senses. And so as David is reflecting on that, he's going, How, I want to be in God's presence, experiencing, seeing, being in the the hot center of the presence of God, experiencing his beauty. Um, I also want us to reflect on the difference between beauty and, true beauty and false beauty. Because beauty is one of those things that we hear about a lot. We think about, oh, is beauty in the eye of the beholder? Is that just subjective? Is it something that we, you know, like is this is out there and we can never really experience it it's there's lots of ideas about beauty but i think true beauty calls us beyond the object itself to something further something further up and further in and false beauty stirs up greed for the object that we see so whether it's a flower and we see a flower and we go that's beautiful and instead of our gaze being turned upward toward god instead of our heart being drawn to the beauty of God, we say, I want as many flowers as I can get, and I'm going to cut them all down and put them in my house and store them and hoard them for myself. Um, it, it's a sense of uh, we're drawn to beauty, whether it's true or false, and um, I think true beauty is connected to goodness and truth, and false beauty is disconnected from those things. False beauty is, is just saying, this is the object that you want, and if you don't get this, you don't get beauty. Um, Romans 125 talks about this, that in our efforts to worship God, in our efforts to, to um, take in creation, we actually 
substituted creation for a creator. It says, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator. Um, we, we look at creation and we say, there is something else happening here. There is a creator, but you know what? I'm actually drawn more to the things here on earth and I'm gonna worship those as God and those as creator. Um, so that's what false beauty does. It actually just leads us to greed. So true beauty calls us beyond the object and false beauty stirs up greed. Um, so if beauty is God's goodness being made known to our senses, um, and it's something that we have to experience, and uh, then it means something, something that we have to pay attention to. And I think for a lot of us, beauty is, and paying attention in general is really hard. I, I, you know, do you know what? Uh, we've got these things everywhere. We've got um, alerts. We've got computers. We've got um, cars and road noise and all kinds of stuff. We've got TVs with Netflix and smart TVs with all these things on it. And we, we often just miss out on beauty. We miss out on seeing the beauty that is present, the dappled light around us. And uh, Corey ten Boom, you know, writing um, after the horrors of the Holocaust and all these things, um, she went on to live this life of service to the people around her, and, uh, but she said this, Corrie ten Boom once said that if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. John Mark Homer saying there's truth in that. Both sin and busyness have the exact same effect. They cut off your connection to God, to other people, and even to your own soul. We are busy people. We are, are, are hurried people, hurried and worried. Um, going back to the beginning of this year, we talked about Sabbath. And I, I'm just curious how that's been going for you, if, if that's something you've been practicing. And I think Sabbath is a great way to experience the beauty of God over a course of a day or to, to lean into the beauty of God um, with your family, with friends. And, um, but we can also practice it in smaller ways. And, uh, and that's paying attention, practicing attention. Poet Mary Oliver said this, attention is the beginning of devotion. Attention is the beginning of devotion. What we give our attention to is eventually where our allegiance begins to, to, to go, where our, our desires and our hearts and our minds begin to be drawn to. And so how can we practice attention to the beauty of God? Um, I think we need to be conscientious about this because I think beauty does impact our faith. Um, we are drawn to all types of beauty. Again, false, true, and uh, our world is full of things that just draw us to, um, to surface level type beauty. Um, but true beauty also captivates us, it changes us, and it compels us. So true beauty just stops us in our tracks, and, and, it, and it does something to us, and then it compels us to do something with that. And um, practice paying attention to beauty is something that um, uh, we just miss often. So I, I, sometimes beauty hits us in ways that, I mean, we just don't expect. When we have, if we're not paying attention, we can miss it. Um, but sometimes it's just so grand and glorious that you're like, I have to stop everything and just watch what's happening. So I, I remember going to get pizza. This was about a year ago, September 2022, before Aiden was born at some point. 
and um, I went to go get pizza for dinner because um, that's what we, we needed that night. And coming back, I remember seeing a sunset and just being bowled over by the sunset. I was like, it's so red and interesting and pollution in the air, but it makes it so interesting, you know? And, um, and I was like, I need to get home, hurry, I need to hurry and get home so I can tell Tiffany about it. And I drove up and Tiffany was already out in the driveway looking at it. Um, but we have trees and houses in front of us, so it was like, um, oh, we can't see it. So she actually just jumped in the car and we drove a few blocks away to be able to capture this image. And we had pizza uh, uh, in the car as we were watching the sunset, very impromptu date night. But um, it, was, it was beautiful. It was a really cool moment. And it was, if we hadn't been paying attention, we would have missed it. Um, noticing beauty requires practicing paying attention uh, because we are so prone to distraction. Uh, Makoto Fujimura is an artist who is an abstract artist, he's a believer, um, but his paintings are just so beautiful. Um, he's been doing it for years, but he said this about taking in something beautiful. He says, it takes about 15 minutes before we can feel settled to truly see something. Um, he says, most of the time we're trained not to see, but to categorize and move on. It's our basic survival mode. He says, but if you allow yourself to simply sit and stare, the eye can open up to take in beauty in a way that is rarely experienced in life. 15 minutes. When was the last time you got to sit still for 15 minutes in this past week? Or sit still and take in something for 15 minutes? Um, Makoto was sitting in front of one of these paintings by Mark Rothko, and he, he said, I, you know, you look at it and you're like, I don't know what that means. But something's happening there. And he says, I, have to, I, I had to sit there for 15 minutes and then I began to experience what the, what the artist was trying to get at. Um, and it moves him. This is one of Makoto's paintings. Um, just, uh, he, do, he works with abstract, kind of non-representational imagery in a way, but he uses color and, and gold dust and all kinds of things. This is um, taken from uh, the idea of John 1, where it says the word was in the beginning, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Um, but you look at it, and you go, that's nice, but you might need to sit with it for a little longer to, to really understand and appreciate what's happening here. Um, sometimes practicing paying attention requires you to also practice working on seeing. You remember these? Magic eye, 3D magic eye, magic eye 3Ds, images. Um, I remember being so frustrated as a kid because uh, they, my dad would be like, you just hold the newspaper, you know, like the comics section close to your nose and you slowly move it away and there you go, as you see it. And I tried so hard to do it and uh, I could never see what was happening here. I, I was like, I'm not getting it. Uh, if you don't know what this is, um, if you stare at it a certain way, um, if, you, if you go up close to the screen and back up or whatever you need to do, um, you begin to kind of get this 3D image that pops out at you. And, and you can see, I, trust me, it is there. You might not be able to do this right now. Um, you may need to go home and practice this. Um, and, but it requires a practice of seeing. And I, and I have uh, some good news. 
a couple weeks ago, I tried this on the computer, and I got it. I was like, oh, I, did, I could see it. Uh, I, I need to text my dad that. Um, <laughs> if you can't see it, here's what it, what's happening. There's a rhino in there somewhere. So, um, uh, <laughs> Beauty changes us, changes our perspective. It captivates us like that moment when I saw the sunset. And then it changes and shifts our perspective. Um, and, and we need to practice seeing it. Um, and sometimes you just need to sit with it for a while and, th- and then it begins to come out at you. Another picture I wanna show you here was from a moment when I got a text from Tiffany um, uh, just a couple months ago and it was a picture of this thing. And I was like, it's, I think it's cool. Um, but I'm gonna set it up. She's putting Aiden to bed. She's got the curtains closed and just the right wave somehow and light was just kind of filtering through a little bit she's rocking him to sleep and she's looking at the wall and noticing something the light that's coming in and hitting the wall is beginning to take on certain shapes that she's familiar with and but it's it's confusing it's like what is happening here and this is what she sent me we live across the street uh, at one of these houses at the top right of that screen is, that's the church building. White, upside down, uh, the, the building on the far left is the brick. You see trees and you see like blue sky, you see a telephone pole, you see like cars. It's, it's being projected onto our wall. And like she, she, it took her a while just to sit there and we're starting to realize something's happening here. <laughs> uh, and we sent it to Sam Tucko, again, all things science and fun stuff. Um, and he was like mind blown. And he, sh- he shared it with friends of his and they discovered, uh, because they're engineers, that this is a thing uh, called camera obscura. And, and there, it's like known, but it's maybe somewhat rare. I feel like it's rare. And uh, where light just seems to peep through a, a little bit of a sliver, a little hole, um, and, and project what's happening on the outside through that hole. Um, that's how cameras work. And, and this is basically a camera uh, mirror image in, our, in Aiden's room. You see Aiden down there uh, laying in bed. She laid him down so she can get the picture. And um, I just, I, I think it was just so beautiful and captivating. And it changed my perspective. Now I will never see Aiden's room the same way. We do, like, we close the curtains, and sometimes we try to get the curtain just right. Like, we're like, Shh, you see it? You know, it's like you're trying to, like, get the image not blurry and, and perfect, and it's just so cool. Um, but beauty changes us. Uh, beauty um, uh, captivates us, changes us, and it compels us to talk about it with somebody. I- I've, wondered to, I've been looking forward to share that picture with you guys for a while. Um, and, um, but it compels us. Uh, it makes me think about, you know, even that picture, the upside down image of the kingdom of God um, and how we need to live into this world differently, um, live like Jesus in this world. So uh, beauty captivates, changes, and compels us to make art. Art is a way of capturing a moment in time and sharing it with somebody. Um, Frederick Beekner said, art frames a moment in time so that we pay attention to it. And beauty puts our lives into perspective so that we pay attention to what God is doing in our lives. So art also 
captivates, changes, and compels us uh, if we let it. And it it makes us see the world and see our lives a little differently, to stop and pay attention to what God is doing in our lives. That's what R.C. is doing. That's what a lot of artists try to do. I like what Frederick said about uh, Friedrich, Friedrich Buechner. I think that's how you say it. Um, He said that like art, visual art, space is like how we decorate space. And he said musical arts is how we decorate time. I just thought that's cool. I just want to say that. Um, Yeah, art helps us be captivated by what's happening. Um, The whole point of poetry, Malcolm Geist says, is its language slowed down so that we pay attention to what's happening in it. Makoto Fujimura also says, much of painting is waiting. And you're waiting for um, the paint to dry, literally like sitting there waiting the paint to dry. And and the whole time he's waiting, he's um, reflecting on the word of God, he's writing out things. And, uh, And it helps us to see and fix our eyes on things not what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. That's what good art does. Um, again, about waiting. Psalm twenty-seven, fourteen says, wait for the Lord, be strong, and take heart and wait for the Lord. As artists, uh, it can be hard to wait for inspiration, to wait for um, the move of the Spirit or like just the right thing. You, you get frustrated when you don't have the right words or the right melody or the right um, maybe composition as you're taking a photograph. Um, but sometimes we just need to slow down and see what God wants us to do. And we want to participate with God as we create our, our, our things. Um, sometimes we're waiting a long time. Um, and what often gets in the way of our own creativity is our brokenness. Um, our sin, our shame, our inability to make something beautiful, or maybe something as beautiful as someone else can, uh, we feel like maybe we've lost the gift. And um, one of my favorite singer-songwriters, Andrew Peterson, he said, when we don't know what to write about or we have these feelings of shame or have these feelings of, I don't know how to do this, um, he says, write about that. <laughs> like, make something from that place of brokenness and see what God can do in that. Because, um, you know, we think about our beauty and brokenness um, I, it reminds me of the gospel. It reminds me of what Jesus did. He entered into our world, um, truth, goodness, and beauty embodied. He came into the spaces that we inhabit, um, the places that we decorate or desecrate with the things that we do. Um, and he lived 30 years, and then he ministered for three years uh, officially. And um, the end of his ministry or what seemed like the end of his ministry, uh, looked like a failure. failure. Um, he died on, on a tree. But um, something that looked like failure was actually just the beginning of the new creation. Jesus' death was the seed of the new creation. And when we think about the new creation, we think about Isaiah 35, 1 and 2, this place where um, 
in the Middle East, where the, around the Dead Sea area. The Dead Sea is dead because no water goes out of it and flows out of it. So it's just building up salts and minerals and nothing really like living exists in there. And the places surrounding it are, can be very arid, dry, not green. And Isaiah's reflecting on this area and he's saying the desert and the parched land will one day will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. He says, like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it, and the splendor of Carmel and Sharon, and they will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. It's this imagery uh, goes on to describe this idea that in this place of desolation, of brokenness, of arid non-life, that a river will flow into and from the Dead Sea, a river of living waters, where on the outskirts, and Ezekiel is talking about this, on the outskirts, uh, along the banks, green trees and animals will come and drink from the water, and there would just be this beautiful ecosystem that happens in the place that you would never think it could happen. And then in this very same place, there will be a highway where people from all over, um, from different nations, different places, different um, uh, parts of the world will come together and walk this highway toward the city of God, um, and it says they will see the glory of the Lord and splendor of our God. And the highway that ex begins to come into this place of darkness and desolation is called the way of holiness. And um, this desert will be turned into a garden. And this best part of all is that they will see the glory of the Lord and the splendor of our God. This is what new creation is. Um, seeing in the deadest and, and most darkest places, life happening. And Jesus entered into our darkness, entered into our desolation, entered into um, our brokenness and brought life and light with him. To, and he entered into death itself and now, we can look back through the resurrection at death and see that that's not the end. We can look back through the resurrection and see that suffering is not the end. Suffering is only meant to call us um, and, and, and um, it's, it's producing in us an eternal weight of glory, as Second Corinthians talks about. The last thing I'm gonna share with us, um, an artist, uh, there's, a, there's a type of art called kintsugi, a Japanese art, um, where Pottery is, maybe it's a, a, a potter, pottery uh, vessel of some sort, a cup or a drinking bowl or anything like that. Well, it, these break, and, um, and, and this artwork, artists who practice kintsugi, they gather the pieces together, begin to reassemble it, and then and, and they, they you know, glue it back together, but then they put gold dust lining the cracks. And, and it changes what was once broken and, and just common everyday ordinary use into something beautiful. Um, Makoto talks about how he went to Japan and met a kintsugi artist. And sometimes this kintsugi artist just holds a piece of ancient pottery, just a broken piece of it, and he just imagines, like holds it in his hand, imagines what it could be. He doesn't try to fix it right away, he just looks at it and wonders, what could this be one day? I, I wonder how God looks at our brokenness some days. 
Does he care for us in the same way with the tenderness and care and consideration to our brokenness as a kintsugi artist would with a piece of of pottery? Um, It does call God the potter, and we are his clay. And uh, we are the clay, and he is doing something and shaping something in us. And uh, when we we come to him with our brokenness, he doesn't just sweep it all away and say, that's worthless now. Um, he takes our pieces of our lives, of our hearts, and, and uh, something that comes out of our brokenness through the death and resurrection of Jesus, um, there's beauty that happens on the other side. So I, I don't know where you're at today. Um, if you're an artist, I hope this is inspiring to you. But if you're not, I hope you can see the world as an artist would. And to see not something broken, but something that God can mend and fix. To see something not um, just a block of stone, but see a, Michael, uh, a David statue of David or something through it. To, to see that God can bring beauty out of chaos and darkness. Um, because that's what the scripture is all about. And that's what Jesus has done for us. Um, and so we want to see the world and see the beauty of God in the world. Um, Let's pray together uh, and, and ask God to just transform our, our vision, to captivate us with his beauty, to change us and um, how we see our, our own story and how we see the stories of others around us and to compel us with his love uh, toward, um, toward making things and being, uh, making things of art, uh, making things of beauty and truth and goodness. God, would you do that in our lives? Um, we, we need you to, to bring mending to the broken places in our hearts and broken places in our stories. We need you to, to bring healing. We know that you can, and we know that you do, and you delight to do that. You hold us tenderly. Um, you're near to the brokenhearted, and you save those crushed in spirit. And so I pray for anyone here uh, that they would look at their own story and their own lives and their own brokenness and see it through your eyes, the eyes of the artist, and see what you can be creating in them, making something beautiful from their brokenness. And I pray that you'd make us people that enter into places of brokenness to bring something light, um, something uh, beautiful, true, and good. Um, We need you to do that. And uh, we just ask that you would bless, um, bless us in that way. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to sermon audio from Sunset Community Church. Sunset Community Church is located in Renton, Washington. For more information, visit our website at sunsetcommunity.church.